Welcome to Stay Grounded with your host, me, Raj Jana. I'm the founder of Java Press Coffee Company, and my life changed after my mentor died with three months left until retirement. That experience inspired me to start a personal journey to discover how we can all live a purpose-driven and meaningful life starting today. I interview everyone from best-selling authors and business moguls to extreme athletes and monks to discuss happiness, success, and fulfillment to uncover powerful takeaways that empower you to stay grounded and make passionate living a reality. To access post-podcast discussions, insights, and further resources, visit rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded. So thanks for joining me today. Now, let's get to grinding. Yo, yo, what's up, everyone? And welcome to this week's very special episode of Stay Grounded, April's monthly reflection episode. (sighs) This one was, this month was powerful. Just so much. I spent most of the month preparing for the most intense journey I've ever been on, which was an eight-day ayahuasca ceremony where I got to really go into some deep shit, (laughs) got to look at some deep aspects of myself, some parts of myself that I was rejecting. I got to explore the source of my inner critic. I got to learn what it means to truly love myself. I got to let go of ideas and aspects of my life that I was holding on to and so much more. I mean, this was just one of the, uh, you know, one, one thing I, I love about, and we talk a lot about the idea of the shadow and I'll talk more about that on this episode, but you know, the shadow is the aspects of yourself that you can't see. And normally they're aspects of yourself that you've been denying or unwilling to see or unwilling to look at. But what you're unwilling to see is still ruling your life. It's still running unconsciously in the background. And so when we can learn to integrate what's in our shadow with what we know to be true in our awareness, we unlock our greatest power. And that was ultimately what this journey was about. And I don't go too specific into everything that came through in the journey because not everything is meant to be shared. But I'd be remiss to not spend a good chunk of the episode talking about all the lessons and perspectives that came through me. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I hope you see yourself in my story, whether you're taking plant medicines or doing this type of journey work or not. I do my best to bring back lessons and perspectives that can be integrated into your life, no matter what your tool or healing modality of choice is. At the end of the day, tools like plant medicines, all they do is just bring more of what's in your shadow into your awareness so that you can work with it. They give you a lot of material to work with inside of your day-to-day life. And it was powerful. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you haven't already subscribed to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or any of the podcast apps, all that means is that every single time we release a new episode, it drops straight into your inbox. Message me on social media if anything on this episode resonated with you. Leave the show a review on whichever podcast platform you are listening to the show on. It goes a really long way in helping others find out about the show. And I'm just very, very, very grateful for all of you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of the show for all these years and being a part of my journey. Like it's crazy for me to think where I was at even just a year ago, even just six months ago before I came to, to Nosara. Like, 
things can shift so fast when you're paying attention and all of you have been along for the ride watching me grow and I'm just so grateful for that. So thank you for and giving my journey a, a voice and giving me the gift of getting to share my lessons with all of you. I'm so grateful. So without further ado now, here is my dear friend Georgina and myself discussing the month of April. Enjoy. Yo, yo, yo. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this month's reflection episode with my dear friend Georgina. Hi, Georgina. Hey, Raj. Great to see you again. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. It's always lovely to catch in with you on a monthly basis. It's like our, it's, it's turned into a really delightful ritual that we call it a ceremony of sorts. We were just talking about how these podcast episodes are almost like a full journey because a lot of the insights that I share, a lot of the perspectives that I share are actually coming from a very deep, an intimate navigation of my own challenges, my own shadow, my own, my own fears, my own anxieties, my own insecurities. And so being able to honestly open up about what's true and share the insights from that, it's just really powerful to be able to, to do that with you and to be able to capture it. You know, I go back through my monthly reflection episodes pretty often because I hear myself reminding myself of things that I learned along the way. I'm grateful that we get to be here and I'm grateful that we get to to continue going down the rabbit hole and sharing authentically what's in our hearts. Yeah, and like I I feel similar about this, this monthly moment to hear where you're at and I'm sure lots of listeners will relate to this piece that I hear aspects of myself in your journey and that mirror is such a such a valuable thing for me like sometimes you say things that help me just clarify what I've been thinking it's it's just such a beautiful thing to and I you say it all the time that we're mirrors for each other like everyone's a mirror for each other and I think that's what this this podcast is as well it's that opportunity to see yourself through the eyes of someone else and understand your own path through, through the path of someone else and that's such a such a gift such a such a beautiful experience to have so yeah, thanks. Thanks for what you do. We're all just walking each other home in the words of the late Ram Das. We learn best from each other. And I think that's something that I've just learned over the years. Uh, it's very difficult to actually experience the breakthroughs you desire on your own. There's a lot of work we can do on our own, but the most powerful teachers are the people in our lives. Um, my relationship with Gina has been hands down the most powerful teacher. Um, but it takes the choice to make it that. Like my last relationship was not a teacher for me because I wasn't willing to look into my relationship as a teacher. And so there's that willingness. But I think if you can practice the willingness and and have the courage to really lean in, it's not going to be easy because you're going to be confronted with truths, with things about yourself that you've been protecting yourself from for a very long time. And that's a really hard thing to, to lean into. I think this is why we keep repeating the same cycles until we have the courage to look underneath the hood and examine what's creating these repeat cycles happening, whether it's in relationship or work. Like we all have these versions of like similar challenges continuing to show up through different faces and different landscapes. 
But I think that's where the courage comes in. Like if you're tired of where you are or if you're, if you're done being stuck, like it takes that this is the next step of learning to look within and lean into your mirrors and the people in your life as like literally, truly those mirrors of being like, Hey, you're triggered right now because of something I'm doing or saying, but what is actually getting activated within you? And this month for me, there was just so much awareness around my own relationship with myself. I'm always my biggest enemy, my big, and, and I, and I don't like using the word enemy because I think that implies that I have a war happening within me. And I think one of the biggest insights and shifts that I've been making this month and I will be making moving forward is shifting this idea of like, I'm at war with my mind or that my, I have an inner critic to, I have an inner protector. I have this version of me that's like showing up and talking to me in a very negative tone in a very negative way. But he is doing that because he feels unsafe because he has some type of a belief about the purpose that is playing, right? Like at the end of the day, like I think a big shift for me was really learning to examine my inner critic, like my tendencies to abandon myself, uh, to make other people happy, my tendencies to reject my own needs because I have some type of a story that they don't matter or they're not important or they're going to make another person sad and be more compassionate. It was a really big month of me learning to hold space for myself. And when I say hold space, it's like being instead of just kind of engaging with my inner critic and going to war, it's actually like listening to him and building a relationship with him. And as a witness and as an adult, actually having a conversation with him to give him what he needs and then reassure him that I'm actually okay without him taking over the wheel. Like I can do what I need to do in the world without him needing to make sure that I have a point made. And so it was a really powerful month of me um, doing that and learning how to do that and learning to become more intimate with the parts of me that are so afraid of change, of uncertainty, of, I think, ultimately prioritizing myself. I think we're inside of a society where a lot of our safety comes from taking care of, at least for me, when our parents are happy, we are safe. Right. Like, and then as we get older, we start to realize and we start to take that same logic. It comes back to when we make other people happy, we are safe. But we're never actually taught how to make ourselves happy, to choose ourselves. And it takes some relearning. So long winded way of just saying that I'm still on the path. I'm still learning. <laughs> but I think this month was just a big month of me actually learning to become incredibly intimate with what's been in my shadow. That's been driving a lot of my fears and my, my insecurities and, and bring everything into wholeness and bring everything into balance and to harmony so that I can stay more grounded and just be grounded, not even stay grounded, just be grounded as the default. So you, you talked about how this month you've been identifying and learning to hear that part of you that has been the critic 
and noticing that the critic had a protection purpose, that it's protecting you for something. Um, but it was actually taking the wheel in your life. So there was this other part of you that was unable to be fully yourself because of the protector. So it would be awesome if you could talk us through a little bit about how are you able to connect with that part of you and how are you able to hear that part of you? Because I think, you know, it makes sense what you're saying, this notion that if we're able to identify that aspect of ourselves and then actually hear what they're saying and and be the witness to that rather than being that, that can change the relationship we have within. So what was that experience for you of connecting with, let's call him the protector, discovering what the protector was saying and doing, and then being able to almost put that part of you to rest so that the more adult version of you could come out and and lead the way? So the way it worked for me, this is the framework. Let's say I have my thoughts going crazy and I have this inner critic going wild. Not even a critic, it can just be your thoughts. Because inherently, if your thoughts are going wild, you are not in your body. If your thoughts are active, you are in your mind. And if you're in your mind, you're in a protective nature because the mind, the only job that the mind has is to protect you. So like everything, even strategizing about work, everything is about creating something and can be a very powerful tool. I don't want to, this, this is not about dismantling the mind. It's more about just naming the mind and the role it plays in our survival. Like it is truly our greatest, it's what's calculating and trying to fix things and anticipate things and look at problems. And it's like constantly doing that, right? So when I see my mind going crazy, the first step is to be aware of that and become the witness. And when I say the witness, it's, I I like to think of it as like, okay, like, whoa, my mind is active. Or, whoa, there's a part of me that's really active right now. That's actually how. So I use a lot of internal family systems parts therapy. Like that's a framework that I found to be really beneficial for me where I actually label all of this noise that my mind is creating as a part. And I just say, okay, this part of me is really active. You can call it a name. You could call it Bob. You could call it Steve. You could call it whatever it is. Your your guy that's or a girl that's just fucking nuts. Like just, you know, like label them. And then from there, the framework for me has been, okay, where do I feel it in my body? Why is that important? Why, why do you go there first? Or why do you go to that place? Because all unresolved, so like, I, and this is something I've been learning a lot over the last few years, especially as Liberate's been coming to life. And I've been seeing a lot of transformation in people. Like the thoughts and the behaviors are just actually like, the tip of the iceberg underneath that is actually like stored emotion that's trapped somewhere in your body that hasn't actually fully had a chance to release yet. So with every thought and behavior is a stored unprocessed block of emotion. Let's just call it that. And because I know that now I can track every thought back to my body and, and there are tools to do that. So like in full disclosure, this month I had one of the most powerful plant medicine experiences I've ever had. I sat in a multiple day ayahuasca ceremony. You don't need ayahuasca to do this. You do not need any tools to do this. For me, the tools help me access 
And it shows me pathways that I wouldn't have been able to get to on my own. Um, but I'm actually doing this now without ayahuasca, without the tool, right? So you listening to this podcast, you get to benefit from a lot of the insights that are happening here, whether you do plant medicine or not. So I just really want to say that because you do not need to take plant medicine to be happy, successful, all the things they help. Certainly not, not going to lie, but not necessary for me. What I ended up learning or tracking was with the thought, if I got quiet enough with the thought, and I actually started tracking and closing my eyes and going back into my body. My body responds. And particularly when I was on the medicine, when I'm on the medicine, like I'm more in my body. It's like a way to get more into your body. And so like, for example, like let's say I had this thought, this thing, and then all of a sudden I would like have this feeling in my stomach. That's just like churning. So that's there. Now, okay, I've located you in my body, and now I want to have a conversation with you. Body, part in my stomach, what do you need? What are you feeling? And it's weird, like, you start to actually get these intuitive pings, like your intuition kind of lines up. It's not like there's a loud voice in your head, but it's like just like a little a whisper from your intuition, which is like, oh, this is anger. Or maybe there's like a memory that shows up or maybe there's like a, a thing that's just present. And now you have, or maybe you can even build a relationship like, oh, how old are you? And then you might hear just a random word that's like, oh, I'm eight. Great. Okay. So you're like this eight-year-old part that had this thing and it's learning. So then I start building a relationship and I start having a conversation with this part until I have a cathartic release. So what might that look like? What might a cathartic release might look like? And and this is where it's depending on every person. Like if you're inside of like when I was in my medicine journey, it was a purge, like a throw up. Uh, I have had cries. I've had primal screams. Um, those are the three that usually show up for me, either screaming, crying or purging of some sorts. Or maybe even like shaking, like you just want to like, you just want to move and shake and like, maybe it's a yawn. Maybe you start like, whatever it is, like, it's just like releasing sometimes laughter. It's like whatever the form of the body, but it's like the body's a very interesting, intricate machine. But that's what I've been really learning and practicing, which is like, that's the framework of how I got into my body and how I learned to listen to it. And what was most important for me to realize like for me my inner critic the one that was like really coming back to like forcing me to be better to do more to try harder was actually like when I really got intimate with my inner critic there was a deeper deeper fear of feeling the the shame and the grief of not being enough like actually feeling it and like feeling that like my inner critic didn't think I could handle feeling that feeling. And I got to have a really beautiful conversation with him about like, hey, I'm an adult. Thank you for protecting me. And I got this. I can feel those feelings. You don't have to protect me from feeling. And that was the biggest 
shift that's happened to me. It's been the most liberating shift of like learning to remind my mind that I actually can feel those feelings and he doesn't have to protect me from feeling any feelings. And you know, this is where there's the, I've talked about this quote on the podcast, like when you don't have any feelings to fear, you are free. And I think our minds are constantly not afraid of failure. They're afraid of feeling the feelings of not being enough that are normally associated with being a f- with, with failing. So when we can actually get to the feeling layer, I think that's when we really start to liberate ourselves from our own shackles, which is all self-induced. The noise, the self-rejection, the fear, the scripts, all of it is bound inside of feeling states, emotions that our mind is protecting us from feeling because at the time we felt those emotions or had experiences that had intense emotions, we weren't actually ready to process them. Like if we had challenging childhoods or if we had a lot of, we didn't have the tools. So that's why it's like, all right, let's go back and reparent that relationship. I got the tools, little guy. Like I can do this. It's like you got this big Clifford, the big red dog. Like just think of this nice big dog. That's just like really loving dumb, but he's like, he's like, he's like very little, but he's got so much power. That's your unconscious mind. Your unconscious mind is literally the age of like a four-year-old. That has this power to literally control your life. But all he is looking for is someone else to be in charge. And he needs to be able to trust that you are in charge. Which means that you have to trust that you've got your own back. Which inherently comes back to choosing yourself fully, owning yourself fully, claiming yourself fully. And making the decision to be the adult you've always needed in your life. So, so many things there. And I just want to reflect on what you've been saying just to kind of consolidate it. But I'm finding this piece about listening to the body when the mind goes haywire. And then actually going into the body to communicate with that part. And that feels really powerful because... I think a lot of us are very disembodied and very much in our heads. Like I know for sure I can that I have that experience. And it feels that when you actually go within the body and, and you're having a conversation with that part, it's more than just going round and round in your head. And I feel that can be, that feels like that's more of a release. And I've noticed just listening to you share your experiences, how I'm having experiences in, in my body, which is interesting. And so I've been trying to be conscious as well as I've been hearing what you're saying is like, what am I noticing? And like, I'm noticing like my neck is is, um, really heating up. And that's so cool, right? That now you've given us this tool that when we're having a body reaction to not be afraid to be curious as to why those things are showing up. Well, I think this is where, you know, when I think about healing, Healing happens in the body. Mm, yeah, not in the mind, you're right. Of course it happens. The healing happens in the body. And this is why I'm, you know, I don't have a judgment of people who do. I don't have a problem with it, but I don't really drink much anymore because it makes it harder to actually get to those emotional truths that are stored in the body. Like when we numb our bodies, 
it makes it incredibly difficult. So then you can't actually get to a layer of release or healing or liberation because you actually can't sense where you're stuck. And that's challenging, right? So for me, it's been really beautiful because this is the first chapter of my life where I really haven't been drinking much. And in fact, I've, I haven't really been drinking any coffee either, um, which is another stimulant that gets in the way of my sensitivity to be able to really like pay attention to like what's going on in my body when I'm experiencing triggers or when I, what's going on in my body when I experience stress, like and allowing all that stuff to come up. And now that I have the tools to actually like process and I know how to, to truly actually like move emotion through me. And I'm more comfortable, like trusting my body. Like when I want to dance, I just dance. When I want to scream, I just scream. When I need to be in nature, I just go be in nature. Like when I, I am much more in tune or attuned to what my body's asking for. So I, I think I've now built the skill set of being able to release faster. So like I'm clearing my system a lot faster than I think I was before because I was, I'm, I'm more sensitive and connected. And I think that's something we can all give ourselves. And it's not something you have to start overnight. It's taken me years to build this relationship with myself. Um, but it starts with just simple stuff. Like I think when you feel a sensation in your body, I think normally our, our default mode is to fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, which is like the nervous system responses. So like fight is to like get into conflict you feel this feeling and because you don't want to feel it, you argue back and you react and you defend your point and you do all the things or you flight, which you go bury yourself in work or you go work out or you go and avoid the conversation. You, whatever it is, you do whatever it is. So you don't feel those feelings or you freeze, which is you go into like a depressive state and you go into like more of like that state of just like, just kind of being like down and like slouched and done or like nonverbal, or you fawn, which is like you just people please and you say whatever you need to say to like make the situation better and happy and so that you don't have to feel. But all of those are reactions instead of opportunities to feel. And, and that's where I think there's just such power when we can pause and pay attention to how are we reacting to a situation? What is our default coping mechanism? What is like there's so much wisdom in just paying attention to how we engage when we have a sensation in our body that we are not comfortable with. So I'm curious to know, how have you been navigating these moments when like, you've uncovered something, but it's something that's uncomfortable, like you don't want to acknowledge it, you'd rather deny it. Like, How do you get into those shadow areas and bring them into the spotlight for healing? How does that? This is a big part of my ayahuasca ceremony was I had deep, deep, deep fears. And I think we've been talking about this on the show for a while now. Like one of my biggest fears was what would happen if Gina and I broke up because I do love her so much and I do care for her so much. And what would, what would happen? What, what would happen if I lost her? What would happen if any of that happened? Right? Like just, and I think that fear was something I just didn't want to feel, but it wasn't the fear of losing her that I didn't want to feel. I didn't want to feel the depths of my heart breaking, the grief that was there. That's what was hidden in my shadow that was causing 
all sorts of triggers and anxiety and worries and different things. And, and for me, one of the nights of the intention was to like, and and it took me two days to have the courage to actually ask for this. So I think one ingredient is courage is like having the courage to, to feel having the courage to allow yourself to go into the thing that you are most afraid of feeling. So, or, First is awareness. What are you most afraid of feeling? So me, let's just say it's the grief of heartbreaking. The grief, that's it. That's actually the feeling in my body. So the action would be maybe us not being together. The action would be maybe something like that. But the feeling is grief. Then it's the courage to actually allow yourself to feel that grief and the vulnerability it takes. Because now you're, it's, and, and that takes practice. Like it's, you're building a relationship. Like you're almost holding space, like for you to feel it and you're surrendering. There's a, there's a depth of surrender to something outside of your control. So, and I can only speak my process. I don't, that, that was my biggest shadow fear. And I went into my ceremony with the intention of letting go. And I was like, help me feel this. I'm not afraid. Oh, I think that said there that piece about not afraid not afraid to go there help me feel the depths of it and i'm not afraid i surrender and that was the depths of surrender i think surrender is the medicine the mind wants control god wants surrender so how did you get to the place or what who did you need to be to be able to say i'm not afraid of this because actually it's those things you just say, oh, I'm not afraid. But actually, if you think about what it means to not be afraid, that's a whole that's on a whole nother level. So the opposite of fear is faith. Okay. So I think when you say what type of person you need to be, you have to build your faith muscle. You know, a few months ago we talked about the faith muscle and like building the muscle of faith. And what does that look like? It is trusting yourself. It is trusting. It's trusting that you have the capacity to experience anything you want to experience or anything that comes your way. You have faith in the divine, in God, in the universe, in some higher power, whatever you want to call it, that you're always going to be tended to and taken care of, right? There's a level of faith. I think that faith is built through our actions it's built through practices like gratitude. Like when you practice being grateful for what you have, you are inherently saying that like, thank you universe for having my back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Like, so there's practices you can do to build the muscle of faith. But I think that's ultimately what I have been building over the last several years, which is this, you know, it started when I became an entrepreneur leaving my full-time job to become an entrepreneur was the first big leap of faith that I had. Like I still remember the first business deals I did and the first risks I took. Those were all leaps of faith. And it's the same thing with this. It's like, if we are not together, will I be okay? Show me. And it's the humility to ask for help. Like I asked the plant to show me that I will be okay. And show me how. And the way she needed to do that was to help me feel, like to help show me that I could feel just about any fucking feeling on the planet. 
did. So knowing that, where did that take you? Where did that leave you? That knowing that I can... I mean, it was the most... I'm not going to go into the, the, the specific details of the experience because it's not necessarily useful, nor is it, uh, nor am I ready to really share it. But what I can say is that surrendering to that depth, I felt the depths of it. I felt the depths of grief with my heart breaking. But once I felt it, all I felt was freedom. And even if we stay together, even if we are together forever, whether we are together forever or whether we are not, it doesn't matter. I am free from the fear. And that's the gift. It's like, this is the gift that I think most people don't recognize. This question of like, if this happened, what, what am I most afraid of this happening? Like when you give yourself the permission to explore that, it doesn't actually mean that the thing has to happen, but you're freeing yourself from it happening. Whether I heal this fear in my relationship with Gina or my uh, another partner that I have in the future, I will have this fear until I fully feel it. There's a beautiful uh, Sufi quote, or not Sufi, I don't know who quoted this, but God breaks our hearts again and again and again and again and again and again until it just stays open. And for me, that was the lesson. It's like, can I allow myself to feel the depths of my fear? Because when my heart is open, there's no fear. When my heart is closed and stitched up with the mind, that's when fear exists. But when my heart's open, I'm connected to infinite wisdom. I'm connected to infinite, man, everything is going to be okay. I'm held. I got, I got the universe behind me. <laughs> that's the North Star, I think that level of opening, not everybody will access that in their lifetimes if they don't choose to. But if you choose to, you have an incredible opportunity to liberate yourself from fear for good. And I think that comes in that, that muscle of allowing, the muscle of surrender, the muscle of trust. And, um, and that was the biggest gift. I had spent the biggest gift I gave myself this month was giving myself the permission to feel the depths of something, whether I needed to or not, so that I could be free. So that I could be whole with or without her. So that I could feel complete. So that I could feel so in love with me from the inside out that it does not matter how I am loved or taken care of. That is a gift that everybody gets to give themselves. It's yours. You don't have to wait for someone to teach you this. You have this capacity. But it takes courage and it takes faith and it takes willingness. It takes the awareness that this is a path. But ultimately, it is a path to the most profound states of personal liberation. And the benefits of personal liberation is infinite confidence, infinite compassion, infinite curiosity, infinite creativity, infinite groundedness. You feel so connected and inspired and intuitive. You're free. You're actually who you've always been. You're not bogged down by fear. Fear is not who we are. Fear is not who we are. Fear is, fear is learned. Fear is accumulated. Fear is inherited. Now there's 
practical fear of being in a fight with a tiger. But even in that, like, I don't know if anyone listening, if you've ever been in a challenging situation, the fear is usually the thought of being in front of a tiger. But when you're actually in the presence of something, presence, when you're in presence and focus, there's actually no fear. Like when you're driving a car at 200 miles per hour, like there's, if there's fear, you're dead. In those moments, there's actually true presence. So even in those moments, fear, fear is something that's created in the mind when we're not in presence with what's truly in our bodies. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That, And I think back to challenging times, there's usually an answer in the moment. Like often we, we know what to do. We know how to handle something, even if it's, re- even if it's really difficult. Um, so it feels like these experiences are also rewriting your relationship with fear and opening the door on freedom. And I'm getting a real sense that obviously this is changing your relationship with yourself. So <laughs> can you talk some more about <laughs> what what that means and what that looks like? And and I think it's one of those one of those things on like a personal development journey where like, oh, I'm trying to change myself. Like I think we have that intention, but it's one thing to say it and another thing to really experience it and to really feel into the depths of what that transformation looks like and what it what it means. So can you try and get us into your shoes? Like what does it feel like? to fundamentally change the relationship with yourself and maybe it's talking about are you hearing is there a different voice that's prominent for example are you feeling different in your body like what's actually happened for you yeah so what's shifted for me is me realizing that before I ask anything of anyone else I must keep the commitments that I make to myself I must treat myself like someone I love. I must prioritize me. And that to me is like, because I matter. That's how much I matter to myself. Now that commitment to myself is what I think self-love is. And I didn't really know what that was before, I think. And so what does that look like in practice for me? Every single Like to me, the number one thing is like, well, this is a practice I'm I'm still developing, but when I come, when I came out of my ceremony, I wrote myself a personal manifesto, which was the promises that I'm making to myself. Okay. And these are promises that I will not break. It's like things I will not tolerate from other people, whether it's the way they talk to me, the way they request things from me, like boundaries that I'm setting, principles that help me remember like principles that really resonate with me, concepts that really resonate with me, philosophies that really resonate with me. I'll write, I'll read one of them that came yeah, through for me. Like, like an example. Yeah, yeah I'll, just, I'll show you one example. Like choosing myself fully is what it feels like to be a king. Healthy, fierce, lasting self-love is found in the daily commitments you make to yourself. Self-love is directly proportional to the degree that you choose yourself. So maybe you can give like a before and after example of how you weren't choosing yourself and how you now are choosing yourself. So for me, let's just say there are needs in relationship that I was putting on the back burner. 
to make my partner happy. That was me not choosing myself. I was choosing our relationship over choosing myself. So devil's advocate here, like, isn't that what you're supposed to do in relationships? Like, isn't, aren't you being a good person if you prioritize the needs of someone else? Like, how does that work? You know, Andy Drish is one of my mentors. And I think a few years ago, we recorded a podcast on how to build a relationship that lasts for a lifetime. Not a relationship that's just like hot and heavy for the first few years and then it starts to decay. And, you know, like, no, like, how do you stay fully passionate, alive, in love for a lifetime? And he talked about the different stages of relationship. You start out in the honeymoon phase and then you evolve into a codependent stage where you actually end up triggering each other a lot. And you're constantly in the state of like trigger and you're like relying on each other for things and you need each other for things and you're like sacrificing yourself for the other and like you're doing that whole dance. But then he said, most couples then go into the next phase, which is the independent stage where they realize that that doesn't work and they go into a state of like needing space and needing like, to be a part in a lot of ways so that they can become independent outside of this codependency. And if they make it through that phase, they then come to interdependent. And in that interdependent stage, which is there's two full, whole sovereign beings that have whole hearts that do not need each other. They're showing up fully within themselves, fully capable of taking care of themselves, but in union to a higher purpose, to a shared vision to a family, to a business, to a a life. And what I realized is that I and Gina also, we were both kind of stuck in that codependent stage and we were kept trying to get to that interdependent. We kept trying to jump there without going through the independent. And, And so for me, choosing myself is sometimes actually being like, babe, I can't do that. Sorry. I have a commitment that I've made to myself that this is what that means. And if that triggers her, okay, great. That's a conversation. It's never like a, oh, it's never a fight. It's more like a conversation. But because we're both on the same page, it creates a beautiful container of like, okay, I hear you. You need that. I need this. Cool. That's where I think I'm learning how to put myself first in front of anything else. Because the type of relationship that I want is also another person doing that. Because if two people are doing that, then when we come together, it's really healthy instead of us both sacrificing our needs to make the other person happy. I don't think that's healthy love. And that's not what I want, at least. I think there's plenty of examples of that in the world. And I'm just not interested in that for myself. And so that's the pattern I'm breaking for myself moving forward. And I need to read this to myself every day to remember that because it's really easy to just go back down the same path of loving for another person. And so this is where integration is so valuable and having these practices to like daily commitments. It's like, what does choosing myself look like that for me? It's right now it's hitting the gym hard first thing in the morning. Like that's, that's how I'm like the first commitment I make to myself is like, no, your body matters. You deserve to feel like a king. Go do it. Go push yourself. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how it's come full circle. But uh, and, and it's I'm learning. I, I like I said, like I, I've actually committed to the next ninety or a hundred days. It's like the hundred days of Raj. Like, what does? I love it. <laughs> like, I really just want to 
do me for a hundred days and really, um, and really just come into wholeness with like, what does it look like to fully claim and choose myself? So it sounds like you started with this decision, like you've come to this awareness, you need to choose yourself and you've chosen yourself. You've got a sense of what it means to choose yourself, but that's an evolving process. And this next hundred days is about really clarifying. Yeah. And it's going to continue being a journey of learning how to love myself. This is ultimately like, you know, this is the ultimate journey. It's how do you build a better relationship with you? When I die, I'm not going to die with anyone else. I'm going to be dying with my body. I have to be, if I don't have a good relationship with me, it does not matter. Like I, I have to, that's the number one relationship that I have to nurture. The number one relationship that I have to fill. If I want to be the man I am, if I want to be the man that can show up for everyone else, I have to go double for myself. And that's just where I'm at. And that's what I'm realizing. And that's where I've sort of landed after four years of trying to get here. It, the path here has been so disorienting. Fuck. I never thought it would take me down these inquiries, but these inquiries are ultimately, um, the gift to myself as well. And anyone listening, your inquiries will be different. Your challenges will be different. Your, Whatever you are looking at and thinking about is going to be different, but that's also part of the grand design. Everything is part of that grand design of you reflecting on and understanding yourself so that you can step into greater levels of self-love and sovereignty. So if you were to like weave a thread through the last month, what would you say the... What's the, like, the key takeaway or the theme? What is the big thing? Gosh, I just really... Courage, courage and faith. My God, like just really trusting that, like trusting in the medicine of life. Like I'm missing, I have so much faith right now in just forces unseen, God, like I, I just feel so connected to God right now that I then more than I ever have in my life. Not the religious idea of God, but like God in my body, like a feeling that I'm connected to that like I'm just always supported, always held, always taken care of. And like acting from the confidence of that. I think that's been the theme and and having multiple tests and challenges and triggers and opportunities to strengthen that that resolve that I have. I think that's been my my theme, my continuing theme. But this has been an initiation into rediscovering what God means to me or what the universe or higher power actually means to me for myself. And it's been really beautiful to come at it through, not from like a, I said, going to church. Like It's not like that's been my path. It's been like I've actually leaned into the spirituality of life to teach me what it means to experience divinity and to experience divine support, orchestration, co-creation, collaboration. I mean, there's just so many words for that. But yeah, I think that's where I'm at. It's just really rediscovering what it means to have this beautiful relationship with something bigger than me. What a month. What a, what a place to land at. And so last question, uh, I'd love to know how you stay grounded this month or how you became grounded. Oh man, pushing my body. 
Like there's something about just getting me particularly. Like I feel like I go through these ebbs and flows with my body. I'm always healthy, but I don't always, I haven't always pushed myself to my limits. And I feel like over the last month, I've actually like really gone back in like the weights, weight training and like pushing myself and activating like my inner warrior and like really like getting after it. And there's something extremely grounding about like just my body feeling like it's at the peak feeling that like there's just something extremely grounding about that, um, which has been amazing. So for me, it's been just prioritizing my physical fitness and my my strength training over the last month and continuing to make those commitments to myself. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for, again, beautiful conversation for being so open, vulnerable, honest. It's been a delight hearing this conversation today. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Georgina, for holding beautiful space and everybody that is a wrap for this week's episode of stay grounded. I'm your host, Raj. This is your old friend, Georgina. And from us, stay grounded. We'll chat very soon. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Stay Grounded. I hope you found this interview helpful as you create your own ways to live an extraordinary life. For more resources and support, please visit www.rajjana.com forward slash stay grounded to join the official Stay Grounded Facebook group, a place where aspiring life enthusiasts can connect and ignite passion for life together. My hope is that the positivity, content, resources, and support in this group will resonate with you on a deeper level. That what you hear in our podcast, read in our thoughtful posts, or learn in our courses will empower you to live with intention, uncover true purpose, and challenge the internal dialogues that stop you from being who you really want to be in your life. Again, thanks so much for joining us. Stay grounded.